Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council Podcast, uh, the, your favorite podcast in all the podcasts where we like to explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. You've got Brandon Saxon here, your favorite graduate student co-host. And Katie Gordon, your favorite professor co-host. <laughs> Katie, how are you doing today? It's Friday afternoon. I'm doing good. How are you feeling? I'm super excited. Whenever you ask me this, I always give a little bit away as to what the episode's going to be about, but a we have a spoiler. special guest today, so I'm really excited about that. So, speaking of which, current events, special guest sitting right here. Who who are you? Uh, my name is Sam, and I am a student in the clinical science program here at NDSU. Well, welcome to the show. Sam, I've known Sam for several years. I know I might have just tricked you all by asking her, who are you? But I've known Sam for about four years now, mm-hmm. I think, something like that. And uh, we've been in the trenches of graduate school together for a long time, and she's a great friend, a great researcher. A great teacher and a great clinician. How about oh, that? Well, thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> Sam, why the heck are you here today? What are we going to talk about? Um, today I'm here to talk a little bit about um, the relationships between mental health and music. That sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. I've heard music before. Oh. I've heard of mental health before. <laughs> but tell me about the link between them. I, I, well, maybe let's, let's take a step back. I want to set the stage for our listeners. Okay. Tell us a little more about you. Okay. I, I want to paint. I want to paint a picture for our listeners because they hear me and Katie every week. Okay. Who's this new person? Sam, tell us a little more about you. You gave us a little tidbit. Okay. Well, what are you interested in? Where? where what are you comfortable telling the millions of people who are listening right now? <laughs> um, well, I am originally from North Dakota, okay. so this is where I've spent my entire life. Love it. Um, here at NDSU, I'm interested in researching um, the vulnerability and prevention, vulnerability to and prevention of um, depression. I'm very interested in teaching um, undergraduates about mental health and related aspects of psychology, and um, very interested in in the clinical work that I'm able to do through the program. Oh, that all sounds great. And Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely worth giving you one of our on-air Jedi Council seal of approval. First one we've actually ever given. Wow. For uh, (laughs) becoming a doctoral candidate, defending her area paper. Oh, thank you. Yes, congratulations. A huge achievement. Mm -hmm. So uh, our very first Jedi Council seal of approval. Well, great. Well done. I tell, feel special. Tell me a little about the connection between mental health and music. What got you thinking about that? Where Where did this topic come from? Because I just show up and talk every week, so I don't know the background to the things we talk about. Right. So um, it's from a variety of sources, I would say. Um, maybe one of the earlier ones is that I've always um, been involved in playing music my okay. whole life. Um, instrumental, uh, violin, and piano. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I signed up for violin classes once. Never showed up. No? That's the extent oh, of my musical experience. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's why Sam is our special musical yeah. guest. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. yeah, got to fill that We're outside of bit. my expertise now. <laughs> I, I mean, so just as a, f- as a warning, uh, I'm just going to talk about comic books and interject them. That's Interrupt you fine. completely unrelated because that's all I know about and that's what I that's the only thing I can talk about. That's totally fine. So I'm you you played uh, piano yep. and violin. Right. Um and those had always been kind of uh like soothing things for me to do just in general Mm -hmm. Um, but I do always remember my mom saying that she could tell if I had a bad day because those would be the days where I was pounding away on the piano Sure. Um, so that's maybe where it kind of all started for me the connection between my own mental health and music Um, 
I more so got interested in the relationship between mental health in general and music. Mm-hmm. Um, during uh, graduate school, kind of just learning more about the ways mental health is portrayed in music um, and maybe the ways it can help people or, or understand their own problems or maybe um, help as a, as a stress reliever for them. And then also um, leading by Katie's example, in teaching abnormal psychology, it, it seemed like a really good way for students to connect to um, things that they already knew and to kind of connect to something outside of the clinical field, so maybe something that seemed more relevant to them, um, and, and teach them about ways they can learn about mental health aside from just the, the courses that they take as a student. Oh, that sounds great. So, so tell me a little more about that project then. What did that consist of in your uh, abnormal psychology class? Um, so for my class, what we did was um, it wasn't necessarily a requirement for mm-hmm. them, but it was offered as an option. And um, to my happiness, students became interested in it. Um, I kind of set the stage at the beginning of the year and said that I wanted to try and find other um pieces of media, um, like TV shows, movies, music, things like that, that I felt could really show them another um, side of the mental health problems that we were talking about in a way that maybe described them differently than I was Mm -hmm. or in just presenting a different picture. And so I would bring up different movies and shows in class, but what I had students do was... um, maybe bring music examples into class or send music examples ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so then they would bring their own examples. I would bring mine because if I was just bringing mine, it would be very biased towards a certain genre Mm -hmm. and a certain very select set of music. Um, Pretty much alternative styles of music. Um, So by having the students bring in music, it helped me to see genres of country, classical Mm -hmm. music, um, hip-hop, more pop kind of um, like like newer mm-hmm. hits and things like that. And they really actually liked it. And so the what, what we would do is they would all just um, bring them into class or send them ahead of time, and we would kind of acknowledge them at the beginning of class, and then we just compiled them into a list on Blackboard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we did it that way. Um, so that's what we did as far as connecting it to different mental health problems. Another thing that we did was um, we talked a lot about ways that we could um, help our clients relieve stress, um, ways that we could relieve our own stress, and we would come up with different songs or different styles of music that we used to um, to relieve our stress. Mm-hmm. So they, that was a project that they did do in groups where they would talk about why certain styles of music or certain songs are especially helpful for them, mm-hmm. and that kind of helped show that... Um, you know, the song could maybe, maybe it's the lyrics in a song mm-hmm. that relates to the way they're feeling, so it validates their feelings, or maybe it's that the song is really soothing and it makes them feel better that way, or maybe it's just that um, they like that particular, you know, style of, of music. Maybe it's uplifting to them or it's upbeat and gets them in a different type of mood. So it sounds like there are two things, and one of them that is like kind of the mission of Jedi Council, which is what part of why we invited you to be here, besides the fact that it's just really fun to have you on, um, is that you're looking at depiction of mental health, often fictional characters, but mm-hmm. it's within song lyrics right. instead of movies and, and TV shows like we do. And so that's that's a great way to do it. But then the second part sounds like really teaching strategies about how to select music that might help people cope. Right. And is there something special about music in your mind that seems particularly applicable to students? Um, I think so, because I think that if we think about music, um, it's something that's really accessible to everyone, and it's it's something that likely everyone 
has some sort of relationship with. Um, I know a lot of my students would pick songs that would make them feel really nostalgic about other times. So maybe songs that they grew up listening to with their family or their grandparents or something. And I think another um, way is that it's something that you can do in private and doesn't take a lot of effort. So a lot of students can just put in those headphones and kind of, you know, take some time for themselves, engage in some self-care, and it's not really a, a super effortful type of process, and so it's kind of a, a simpler type of self-care or self-soothing. Um, and I think that's that can be said for students and clients. Like I know um, when doing um, this type of thing in the dialectical behavior therapy type of group, we'll do a self-soothe kind of exercise where, where the clients are um, using the five different senses to help themselves um, be soothed, and I think we see a lot of the time that the music um, piece of that is used pretty heavily because it's just it seems to be more impactful. I think they can be impacted by the lyrics, they can be impacted by the rhythm of the song, um, the intensity of the song. There's lots of different ways. So it seems like there's some kind of um, human reaction that's yeah. just common across a lot of people. And if you're not, for listeners who aren't familiar with dialectical behavior therapy, it's an evidence-based treatment for a type of disorder that involves a lot of suicidal behavior and impulsive behavior called borderline personality disorder. And so that's why, as Sam was saying, there are certain strategies used with the idea that if you calm some of those emotions, you can reduce some of that impulsive mm-hmm. behavior. Speaking of empirically supported interventions, this is something we talk about fairly often on there. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with any empirically supported interventions that involve music? I, it's outside of my wheelhouse for sure, but or maybe uh, maybe a more broad question is: Have you involved music in therapy with your clients ever? I have involved it in, like I said, in DBT, mm-hmm. where it's it is part of the manual. Mm-hmm. It's part of the the self soothe activity within that. Um, aside from that, I haven't necessarily um, looked at any that specialize mm-hmm. in that. Um, I do, though, know of of friends from um, undergraduate who have gone into more specialized music therapy types of programs. Okay, but I don't necessarily know a lot about them. Mm-hmm. However, in my own um, in my own practices, I will sometimes um, encourage the this type of self-care be, just because, like I said, it is mm-hmm. so simple and, and usually people can find something they like. And what I see sometimes is that as people are searching for certain songs that might work well for them, um, they kind of get to relive certain positive memories mm-hmm. and it just kind of creates this cycle for them. And so then they start to maybe build up this playlist or maybe they build up different types of playlists depending on what types of moods they're in. Oh, sure. And so it kind of gives them some self-control in helping them themselves feel better and then they, they you can kind of see that trickle off into into other areas that sounds really great it, yeah. it, it. so one thing i just want to clarify it sounds like there are people who specialize in music therapy mm-hmm. like you said and then what you're talking about though is using evidence-based treatments and some of the specific strategies that are taught or the coping skills that are taught that have a scientific base for them, music might be the modality by which people soothe or distract themselves. And so I just want to clarify for listeners that that's separate from people who are primarily using music to solve their problems. And you should always look into the evidence base for what you're dealing with and and see if it's there. And so there's evidence that things like being mindful can help in certain situations and for some people being mindful to music is one pathway to get there yes definitely that was a very good point katie thank you for catching that thank you sam is there anything else uh that 
you think is relevant for listeners to know about music and mental health, or or should we just open it up and start freestyling some of our own favorite music? Yeah, definitely. I so <laughs> I I know I don't have a lot to contribute to this conversation because I'm just I'm just not as deep and I can't connect emotionally <laughs> with things, oh, and that's okay. But I, I, I know one one thing that I do like to listen to is uh, film scores. Okay. And I don't wonder if there isn't something, you know, and this is for people who know more about music than I do to, to roast me on Twitter for my ignorance now, but I think one, one thing that I think is fun about film scores is they're very much elicit, or, uh, written and composed to elicit specific emotions. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you think all music is written to elicit a specific emotion or feeling or, or just walk me through the uh, magic of music making? Why do people make music? Well, I Besides think, making that sick, sick money. Right. That might be number one. That's my reason for this podcast. <laughs> so um, far, we're not reaching that goal. <laughs> <laughs> and rethink some things. <laughs> well, I think that um, it's made for a variety of reasons. I think in terms of reaching their listeners, um, musicians really do want to have some kind of um, personal connection to their sure. listeners. And you'll see a lot of music. If I can interrupt yep. you for a second, that rings really true for the Jedi Council podcast. Okay. I love the personal connection that we yeah. have with our one million listeners. Exactly. Continue on. So I think that um, they'll use a lot of their own personal experiences to try and connect with their um, their fans mm-hmm. through the lyrics they use mm-hmm. or through um, the types of um rhythms and whatnot that they use in their songs. I think that way it gives the listeners or the fans um, a more like personal view of that musician mm-hmm. and it also helps relate. They're like, yeah, that person has gone through this. They know what it's like to get through and well, it sure. kind of motivates maybe them to get and through maybe a certain time. normalizes a little yeah. bit. I could yeah. see a little normalizing. From yeah. That. And I think too even like some of the uplifting songs um, or like their um, songs that really encourage people to stand up for themselves mm-hmm. or to be strong or keep going. Um, I think artists definitely have some kind of motivation in with those songs to really reach those fans that might be might be needing some of that support. That rings true to me. If I can uh, engage in a little bit of of classic egocentrism and turn this conversation back definitely. to me and my experiences, yep. <laughs> uh, that rings true for me when I'm thinking about. I have a hard uh, paper to write or maybe mm-hmm. a, a challenging task ahead. I just like to fire up that Lord of the Rings soundtrack oh, and yeah. just think of the Fellowship of the Ring taking on Mount Doom and mm-hmm. the armies of Mordor. And I think if they, if this music is inspiring me to follow their lead, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I'm making it nerdy in here. No, that's, my that's, goal right now. that's totally I, fine. I, I, like I said... Yeah. Katie's used to my antics. I feel bad yeah. for you because I didn't warn you ahead of time before nope. this episode. I'm, I'm used just to them ridiculous. out of this context. Okay, so. this is this is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a that's a good point, and I think maybe even in a case like that, it wasn't intentional. It was maybe more, you know, for those for that soundtrack, it might not mm. have been the intentions of the musicians. I would to, agree to reach the fans in that way. It might have been more to set the stage for the movie and make the movie more engaging. Do you know who way? composed the soundtrack for the Lord of the Rings? No, Howard Shore. Oh, okay. There you go. And that's our episode for today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you said you didn't know music. So. Yeah, see? I know film score music. Look at that. Very nerdy film score music. That's okay. My favorite composers are Howard Shore, uh, Jeremy Soule, Danny Elfman, and uh, John Zimmer. Williams. Oh, who were you going to say? Zimmer. 
Oh yeah, yeah, like I'm not forcing Hans him Zimmerman. into your list. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a I'm good not one too. Not even saying the name right. No, that's <laughs> a, it's, it's, you might have said. I think it is Hans Zimmer. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I said it wrong. I'm gonna edit that out so I look like I was right. I'm gonna switch <laughs> our voices. <laughs> okay. We're gonna use a helium balloon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, (laughs) Sam. Let's break this down by disorder. Okay. One thing that I know that we've researched a lot in our lab and is kind of a common interest for our lab, sorry, Katie, uh, you're excluding you now, is depression. Okay. Tell me a little bit about how music might map onto depression or just build me a bridge between these two things. Okay. A word bridge. So, um, as you probably know, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of of the mood disorder... um, symptoms that we see sometimes do present themselves a lot in artists. We do see a lot of Mm -hmm. artists who have higher um, rates of mood disorders compared to a lot of other professions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I do think that you might see um, personal experiences come through a lot um, with that type of problem in the the songs that musicians do put together because, you know, they maybe have gone through this this darker time Mm -hmm. um, and they may know that some of their fans might be in a similar position Mm -hmm. and so they might want to tell them you know, what it was like for them, how they got through it, um, give them a more validating experience that what they're going through isn't just specific to them. You know, okay. there's other people that, sure. that this has happened to. Do you have any specific examples that come to mind? Well, I sure do. For a, a, a music buff like yourself? They're going to be very limited to one genre, so this is a bias sample. So... Um, bias is not something that's new for our listeners okay. because every week I uh, highly disparage Marvel comics. Okay, and I, I've I think I on air threatened Stanley a couple times. Okay, so don't worry about bias. Okay, because this Perfect. is the full name of the podcast is the Jedi Council Biased Podcast. Okay, well, great. I'm glad I prepared well for that then. <laughs> Well, maybe before we jump in, what yeah. is the genre that will that is it the alternative? These are jumping that? straight from the 1990s here. Oh, my favorite decade. Yeah, well, great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so the first one that I'll talk a little bit about um, is is actually from my favorite band. So this is oh, this is very biased. Um, so this is a song and by very personal. Thank you for being is. willing to share that. Yeah, with that's us. totally fine. Um, this is a song by Soundgarden. Okay. Um, it's called Fell on Black Days. Okay, great. Um, and the lead singer of Soundgarden, his name is Chris Cornell. Um, he um, has been interviewed about what was the motivation behind writing this song. Um, I'll maybe tell you a little bit, or give you a little excerpt of the lyrics please, first, please. and then maybe describe a little to, bit about... Should I cue up the guitar, or are you just going to... Re- that's a big negative. Oh, okay. I'm just oh, going okay. to read it. Oh, yeah. okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Too. Poem style. Po- oh, perfect. Yeah. Um, so this is just a small snippet of that song. Um, so it says, Whatsoever I feared has come to life. Whatsoever I've fought off became my life. Just when every day seemed to greet me with a smile. Sunspots have faded, and now I'm doing time, because I fell on black days. And so people have um, interpreted this song in a variety of ways. Um, but a quote from the um, the writer and lead singer of the band said, Fell on black days was like this ongoing fear I've had for years. It took me a long time to write that song. It's a feeling that everyone gets. You're happy with your life. Everything's going well. Things are exciting. When all of a sudden you realize you're unhappy in the extreme to the point of being really, really scared. Oh, wow. And I think that... that um, maybe resonates well with people who don't have 
some major life event when they mm-hmm. become depressed or become really down, um, where it just kind of comes out of nowhere, where you feel like your life is going okay, and then it's kind of flipped upside down, and you don't really understand why you're feeling a certain way. Um, for people, it's hard to know why that happened. You know, you hear a lot of people become, why did I become depressed? Mm-hmm. I have all these great things going on in my life. And it, it just kind of um, validates those types of feelings for people, I think. Sam, in your experience on depression, do you find that, that I have two, a two-part question, A, it's commonly people believe that something negative is is usually a, a precipitating event of depression. And B, do you find that for individuals who don't have a negative event that precipitates their depressive episode, they feel extra guilt for feel, becoming depressed? I, I have noticed those things happen. Um, I've heard from people, you know, that they really want to know why this happened. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes presents a little bit of a barrier in, in progress just sure. because sometimes it's we can't know. We don't know why that happened. And for some people, it's hard for them to progress through um, through therapy without knowing why because they really just want to know why this happened. Um, I think it, it knowing might help them um, be feel more comfortable preventing that in the future mm-hmm. or whatnot um and so i do think that people come in with this maybe assumption sometimes not all the time mm-hmm. but sometimes that um becoming depressed is a result of some something bad happening to you and mm-hmm. that's just not always the case and so you kind sure. of just have to to talk talk with people about that and talk about th- the way that depression is different for everyone that it affects sure. and and that you know it's just it's not the same for everyone so it's maybe a, a control sort mm-hmm. of thing interesting yeah. interesting interesting okay mm-hmm. sam one thing i know that a lot of people experience is social anxiety mm-hmm. uh tell me a little bit about music and social anxiety are there any bands or songs that address that because that's a very pervasive problem there are um there's actually one really specific song that i used in my class that my students really liked mm-hmm. um especially those who do struggle with social anxiety themselves they kind of said that this kind of explains what I feel like on a daily basis. Um, So this is a song by the band The Eels, um, and this is a song called Things the Grandchildren Should Know. Um, Coincidentally, there is also an autobiography by the frontman of this band, um, Mark Oliver Everett, um, with the same title, Things the the Grandchildren Should Know. And so this is... himself. Yeah, a little bit. Um, And (laughs) so the lyrics from this song are, I don't leave the house much. I don't like being around people. Makes me nervous and weird. I don't like going to shows either. It's better for me to stay at home. Some might think think it means I hate people, but that's not quite right. I do some stupid things, but my heart's in the right place, and this I know. And I think that really captures what a lot of people do feel like with social anxiety. Um, What my students said a lot of the time is, um, you know, people think that you come across as rude or, Mm -hmm. you know, snobby or whatever it might be because you just don't want to talk to people a lot or you like to do things on your own or it's hard for you to go places. Um, But really that's not the the case. They're just so much in fear of of some kind of negative evaluation or something embarrassing happening to them in those situations that it's hard to put themselves out there. Um, and so I think it really highlights that um, bias that people can have towards people with social anxiety. That's really interesting. Is the song autobiographical as well in, in so much as the book is? It sounds like that was very much mm-hmm. maybe was written about right. yep. about himself. Right, yep. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. I can see how that would be a, r- a really nice thing uh, if you're experiencing that, to, yeah. to have that uh, experience normalized right. uh, maybe by someone who you look up to. Right. I think, like, this song is probably one of the most clear um, descriptions of, or, or maybe not clear, but maybe best descriptions of a, of a mental health concern that I've seen. Very interesting. Yeah. Katie, I know you know a lot about music. 
tell me, what do you have anything for us in the realm of hip hop? I know you're a hip hop pro. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a hip hop <laughs> pro, but I do love um, Dessa, who is a rapper and poet from Minneapolis, and actually one of my favorite albums of all time is Parts of Speech, and she doesn't rap much on it. But um, and in fact, the song it, I'm going to talk about, she doesn't. But okay. she is. But she is a rapper too. Oh, that she's was just my yeah. She's multi talented. So she's part of a hip hop collective called Doomtree. I'm oh, not. Gonna, I promise I won't launch into this history please. of indie hip hop. But I will say that she's from near from near here, and that she's at Minneapolis. But um, she's openly talked about mental health before, and there are a few songs that I think beautifully capture mental health related issues. And so I just couldn't resist this opportunity, even though Sam is our special guest, (laughs) to talk about this song, Annabelle, by Dessa. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to read some of the lyrics, because to me, this is from the perspective of someone who's watching someone suffer from a mental disorder and how painful Mm -hmm. that can be, because I feel like, for a lot of us, it feels like mental disorders are kind of thieves that take away the people that we know, because it, it changes how people function so much. And so, in this song, Dessa specifically says, um, I'll read a a few of the lyrics. And in in this song, Annabelle, this character seems to be having some kind of break with reality, perhaps psychotic, it's not clear. And um, one part of it says, Every day you see me less than you did just the day before, out there in the garden, motionless for hours. It's just like there's a statue dressed in Annabelle's old clothes. So to me, that's a really strong mental image of, I see you there, but it just looks like a statue in your clothes. It doesn't seem like the person I used to know. Part of me is afraid to wake you from the dreams you're having. Scared the scattered pieces won't come back together whole. And I feel like that really captures some of the disorganized part that you can see if someone is experiencing a psychotic break. Um, So that's one big part of it. And then something that's really touching about this song that I saw Dessa describe where it came from. At the end, the person is saying, Annabelle, come back to me. I'm trying to get through. Annabelle, come back to me or take me there with you. And she said that she, Dessa said that she had seen a movie where there is someone who is having some kind of psychotic break or onset of a mental disorder. And it's clear that the person who cares about them very much can't pull them back to reality and so instead decides I'm going to go with you then and go into your world so they can still be with you and connect with you. So this song is just an extremely powerful song and I think it can help people who are struggling with feeling like there are limitations on what they can do to help their loved ones who are suffering and kind of validate their experiences or put words to them in a way that poets and song lyricists really can and and many of us cannot so I just wanted to share that so thanks for giving me the opportunity to it's a great example yeah another great example and and several great examples that you've both provided us with so maybe we're just about out of time as as every week so maybe we can uh, wrap up with our famous signature Pearls of Wisdom with Brandon, as always, folks. So this week's Pearl of, of Wisdom, I've just got one for you since we're way out of my expertise, is uh, find some music that uh, makes you feel something, maybe. Uh, just engage in those emotions and, and embrace them, and and maybe f- more specifically than finding emotionally eliciting, or yeah, 
music that elicits emotion, find something that you can really resonate with and uh, and use that as a coping style. Just like last mm-hmm. week we talked about coping styles, and um, music is another great one that, uh, that maybe gets overlooked often, certainly by me, so maybe by others as well. So give it a try and uh, see, see if you like it. Anything mm-hmm. else, uh, Sam or Katie, before we sign off for uh, this week? Yes, just one thing I'll say is that if you have a favorite song that you think really depicts mental health issues, well, please tweet it at us or send us a message on Facebook because Sam and I have talked about this. We've started kind of collecting these songs so that we can teach mm-hmm. with them, and I think they're very interesting. So send them our way if you have any favorites. Yeah, that sounds great. And I'd just like to put a, a really big thank you for Sam for being yes, our special of course. guest great. star. Yeah, thank uh, you for inviting me. Oh, yeah, you're invited anytime that you want. Just pop in and start talking. That's, yes, that's great. kind of the process. <laughs> so, uh, and f- thank you, fellow listeners. Or Well, I guess I'm not listening to this right now, but I will someday. So I will call you fellow <laughs> listeners. Thank you. And uh, if you've got a if you've got a second right now, I have a favor to ask you. Pop on to iTunes, click that subscribe button, and click a rating in for us. Uh, that really helps us spread the word to other folks who might be interested in the sort of things we're talking about. Uh, and and I just really appreciate all of the feedback that we have gotten, and uh, and we read all the reviews that we get. So we sure do. We're really really grateful. So thank you. Absolutely. So uh, this week's signing off phrase uh, coming up with. Still looking for our signature sign-off phrase. And so far the process has been stealing from other uh, sign-offs. See you you later, alligator.